What's going on, world? And welcome back to the Pursuit of the Good Life podcast, where we talk about how to enhance your personal and professional life. I'm your host with the most, your favorite coach, the Cameron Lovelace, joined by a very, very, very special guest. This person I've known for, we were just catching up, for over 10 years. One of Arkansas's finest by way of mountain home. Um, she is definitely a, a dear friend of mine, but I brought her on because y'all know I do not bring on people just because I like them, just because I know they're good people, but they actually add value to the podcast and to helping you explore your careers and create your version of the good life. So please welcome, uh, I don't know her official title, but graphic design artist, um, the Rachel Alvarez. Rachel, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Hello. My official title now is creative director. Creative director. So she a boss. She got a team and staff members that she she yells at and tells them, uh, you know, this design is trash. You do better. Da, 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 da. Never yell. I never yell. I'm not that kind of boss. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. So how you doing, Rachel? How things going? I'm good. Working hard. You know, I think uh, anyone in the corporate world holiday time is very busy uh, really? lots of different campaigns lots of sales lots of content lots to do i, I got you on that so are you doing are you doing your own work too in addition to Fanimation? i'm um, not i i used to but to be honest uh, it's a very time consuming role yeah. Um, and so, and I really love what I do. So I'm really kind of focusing all my time, energy, and passion into this role right now. Gotcha. Great. Cause I sure was about to say, y'all, if y'all need a design logo, Rachel actually designed my very first, uh, design that guy, K love logo, um, that I used for a long time. Um, Rachel actually designed that for me. I might even, I'll throw it on the screen for those of y'all watching, uh, the podcast on Facebook and YouTube, but before we jump into like how to be a successful graphic design artist or to get started, stuff like that, I like to always warm up my guests with just a little like little fun question, whether it's a meme that I saw on the internet or something like that. So Rachel, yes, you work for uh, Funimation, which is a well-known animating studio, um, has American cartoons, has Japanese anime under that. So what are your top let's do top three top three anime okay so number one of all time code kiosk okay for sure um best anime ending of all time in my humble opinion okay um number two i'm gonna have to go with the current one uh attack on titan so good uh the final season's about to come out mm -hmm. on funimation check it out um, and then, oh, number three, that's tough. This may sound kind of corny because everyone loves it. Uh, it's very trendy right now, but My Hero Academia, it's just so cute. What? It's so cute and heartwarming. It's like a, if you're going to watch Attack on Titan, it's a really nice like palate cleanser from all the gore in the blood <laughs> mm -hmm. to go to like teenagers fighting bad guys. Right. So me personally, I, I I have not, and a lot of people that are anime geeks may stone me for this. I have not watched a single episode of Attack on Titan. That's okay. 
And some people like some people are like saying like this is like one of the greatest anime ever. But I was just like giants, people turning into giants and eating people. I'm, oh, Attack on Titan. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm not really, not really into that. Um, My Hero Academia. I love that show. I, I do so. So for those of y'all who don't know, I am also an anime buff. I know I don't really talk about it that much in these social media streets because it just really became popular. I don't America. know. Yeah. It just recently in the last couple of years became popular to watch anime. I don't know what happened, but my, my top three, um, I can't believe you left off Dragon Ball Z. Like what? I think it's like, it's a great show, but I think for anyone who wants to start getting into anime, right? If they didn't grow up watching it, mm-hmm. Dragon Ball can be very daunting. There's a, it's like one piece, like there are decades of content. And so that can be a bit overwhelming. Well, then it's probably no surprise that my next person on the list is One Piece because it is definitely like it is like no matter what is happening in the world, I can always count on One Piece coming out with an episode, whether it's a filler, whether it's 900 episodes. So, (laughs) yeah, whether it's like a background of, you know, this story or a sub character, subplot, whatever, I can always depend on one episode from One Piece unless they're on like a a week break because they don't even take season breaks they they're constantly cranking out those episodes they are a machine (laughs) with that content yes um number three i don't i don't know who i can give that number three spot to right now i like black clover very good very is i I like black clover so far i like my my hero i like seven deadly sins Um, have you watched uh demon slayer Yes, I do like Demon Slayer, but it's like I I wish the season was longer or that they would come out with the well, second season already. Well, well, we have a movie coming out uh next year that I'm the lead creative director for. So really? yeah, you should check it out. It's a very good movie. Uh, it'll be be out next year sometime. Can't reveal the date just yet, but Okay. Is that the movie? That's not the movie on where they're on the train, or is that a different movie? Yes, time? Demon Slayer Mugen Train. It's basically like a continuation of season one. Right. So it's like a very long episode. Okay, but it's worth me sitting and watching. Yes. Waiting on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening and indulging us in anime. Please comment <laughs> your favorite uh, anime if you are anime heads like us. Um, but Rachel, let's go ahead and get into this this graphic design journey. So, how how did you get start? I mean, you weren't always the creative the person. How long as I've known you, you had this this recent ascension to creative director at Funimation is is recent. So, what what was your journey like to um, graphic design? So, I've had a very interesting journey because um, when I when I went to college, I actually had no idea what I wanted to do. Okay. And um, I kind of liked taking photos. So I said, oh, I'll just sign up for a photography major. It'll be temporary, you know, until I figure out what I want to do. As part of that, we had to attend a seminar where all of the art major programs like talked about their programs. And someone came out and started <clears throat> talking about design. And I, it was mind blowing. It was like such an epiphany moment for me. It was like, why had I never thought about all of this merchandise, all this product, all this stuff, and that someone made that? You know, I, I think, <clears throat> sorry, if you, don't, if you don't regularly think about it, 
you know, you just see all of this stuff in the world, like someone made that, you know, someone's job was to design it. And that night I called my parents and I was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I just knew. Mm -hmm. um, the hard thing was that I had never taken an art class before. I cannot draw. Um, and I just kind of blindly leaped knowing that this is something that really lit me on fire and I didn't quite know why. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had to apply to get into the program. Right. So I had to do a whole year of like prereq courses just to prove that I could hang basically. Um, and I thought for sure I wasn't going to get in. Uh, and I did miraculously. And I remember one of the professors telling me like, yeah, you know, you're not as experienced as everyone else, but there's just something about you. We think you have a lot of potential. And um, yeah, I think I was the only one in my class, like my year that had no art experience. Um, but I made it my goal to be the best. Um, and so luckily, over the course of those few years in college, I found packaging, which was really like my true love. Mm -hmm. So I built a career on packaging. I graduated, uh, thought, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be super, you know, just going to find that awesome agency job right away. Um, I did not have such luck. Um, uh -huh. I, I actually kind of bounced around from job to job for a few years. It was quite hard to find my footing. Um, and I think for a while I thought I was the problem, you know, maybe I'm just I have professional issues. Maybe I'm not as talented as I thought. Um, I experienced a layoff like one year out of college. Um, and it really made me question my confidence, but I just stuck with it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually landed at a company called BioWorld, um, which is a merchandise company. So they work with anime content, but also like Star Wars, WB, uh, Marvel, Disney, all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, over the course of those couple of years, just really hustled mm -hmm. and worked my way up from um, a designer for one department to being the head packaging manager for the whole company. So I helped make packaging for like 16 different product teams. Uh, and I did that in the course of about two years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, eventually Funimation called and they were really interested in bringing me on uh, as a creative director and the rest is history hmm. okay so so back up for me for those for those of us who are not in the the creative space lingo so what does you said you didn't have any experience what what exactly ex experience were they were they looking for when they say you know have some experience or you have no experience what, what exactly does that mean like early on mm -hmm. so typically i think a lot of people that are very um naturally skilled at like art illustration stuff like that mm -hmm. they tend to know from an early age right you hear those stories of like oh i was you know drawing my own cartoons as a child or um painting for fun mm -hmm. i i had never done any of that um i think most of the people that were in my class had been in art school or art classes, you know, since they were preteens, they were very good illustrators naturally. Um, whereas I felt like 
I, I had to catch up, you know, so I had to work a lot harder in our, our art illustration classes, drawing classes, um, design theory, color theory. I feel like all of those skills came a lot more naturally to my peers. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas I feel like I was up till midnight studying those books because I was like this doesn't come naturally to me and I need to make up time you know I need to if I'm going to be the best I have a huge hill to climb so I need to work that much harder to compensate where where exactly did that competitive nature come from because well I don't know if you want to call it competitive but you said that I like with no experience no pre-exposure whatever you just said I want to be the best in this class here at this university. I actually think it started from when, from the age when we met. Um, you know, as you know, I had kind of a rough upbringing, um, grew up very poor, did not have a lot of resources. Um, when, when all the other kids had things, I really didn't. And so from a very early age, I learned that if you want to get what you want, you have to hustle. You know, no one's going to hand it to you. Um, at least that was the case for me. And so even like knowing, you know, wanting to get to college, et cetera, like to me, it was like, no one's going to give this to me automatically. I have to hustle and grind to get out of Arkansas to, you know, go do big things with my life. Mm -hmm. And so I think I had just always been hustling because I had this notion in my mind that if I don't, nothing will happen for me. Like I have to be the one to achieve this for myself. Nothing, nothing is given to you. You have to go out and get it. Exactly. Yeah. Like I think I, it's two part that. And I think also I refused to be in a situation in the future where I would look back one day and be like, I didn't get what I wanted because I didn't put in the work. I personally, like I couldn't cope with that. I I want to be able to look back and say everything <clears throat> that happened was because of me and how hard I worked, you know? I respect that. And it's so, it's so funny to like, cause you hear that type of mindset across so many different industries. And so like, it's, it's, it's always interesting to me to like see commonalities like that or mm -hmm. competitive, like, like you create your own type of competitive edge within yourself not necessarily that somebody talked cash crazy to you or that somebody was like you're going like I'm going to beat that person like yeah. you within yourself with your agreeing with your background you just say you know what I, if I'm gonna do this if I'm gonna jump head first into it I'm not gonna half do it I'm gonna put every effort that I can into this into this new career path and that and in doing that I want to be the best that I can be. And that means beating all of you guys who has prior experience who are looking down on me. Yeah, I think a big thing about it, and this is stuff I try to teach my team a lot, mm -hmm. is that if you have lofty career goals, you, you have to look at everyone as competition. Um, not necessarily like in an aggressive, like, you know, harsh way, but just if you want to be an executive one day, like I do, or if you want to be I'm probably about five to 10 years ahead of schedule in my role. Really? Uh, from where I should be. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's purely because even if it were, if it was, you know, other students who I considered dear friends or a team of directors like I have now, mm -hmm. yes, I absolutely want to be supportive. I want to partner with all of these people throughout the years. Um, but in the back of my mind, I know that 
you know, you can't really have more than one person who's like the best, right? So at the same time, you have to be competitive because if you want to be the top person, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to be the first person they consider for promotions or for mm -hmm. awards, you have to be thinking, how am I different from the people surrounding me? And how can I then set myself apart even further? Mm -hmm. If you want to progress, that is, in this field. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think a lot of people reach um, creative director for a lot of artists or creatives. Creative director is like the peak role, right? So say you get to that. It doesn't really need to be a competition anymore unless you're just trying to stay at the top of your game. For me, I'm trying to be an executive one day, right? So this isn't the end stop. Mm -hmm. So I have to think competitively because I want to be a VP and then a senior VP, right? And then a chief right. officer one day. Right. Well, that's fantastic. I look forward to seeing you rise to those uh, ahead of schedule. Um, but you, you said packaging. So what like packaging is something I've never I've never heard before. So what is what is packaging until because when I think graphic design, I'm thinking they know how to make flyers, they know how to design logos. That's and that's kind of like the limits of my like knowledge as far as graphic design. So packaging, what what is that? Well, so let me back up. So there's actually kind of some different categories of design, especially when you're in school. So there's, um, I think with probably the most prominent right now, which is more of the digital realm. So like UI UX, yes. uh, web design, yes. um, digital design, like doing paid ads, you know, animated Instagram stories, stuff like that, right? Then there's like publications. So the people who are doing magazines, um, literature, newspapers. Mm -hmm. And then there is kind of just real print design or a core design. So like branding, like you're talking about posters, stuff like that. And then there's packaging, which is something a lot of people don't really think about, uh, nor had I when I had discovered it. But basically every product in the world comes in packaging. Um, it can be something as simple as the macaroni and cheese box, right? That your food comes in at the store to yeah. a cereal box, to the box that your Apple iPhone comes in to something really luxurious. Ah, gotcha. Um, yeah. So uh, for the first bit of my career, it was really more like core kind of products. I did like wine packaging, um, like labels for socks. But then I really found I had a specialty in doing like the luxurious packaging. So I did once, um, I designed packaging for Batman socks that looked and shaped like the Batmobile. Um, hmm. Or I did um, packaging for uh, SpongeBob pants and the package was like shaped like the Krusty Krab. Hmm. Um, and so then when I came to Funimation, I basically now lead the entire print and packaging team. And we predominantly do home video packaging, which believe it or not, anime fans still buy, um, not to watch it, but because it's collectible. Oh, okay. That makes yeah. Sense. So okay. basically anything a product comes in, someone designs that. That is so, so interesting because, you know, I'm sitting here like thinking about like, what have I ordered recently? You know, mm -hmm. so Amazon is probably the most recent thing that's come to my house and they always have, you know, the same design with the same logo with the check. And sometimes depending on the packaging or the product, you know, sometimes they'll have, 
you know, something that bubbles it, that cushions it. If yeah. it's cool, roll around. If it is something that is like small, it'll be like the little envelope type bubble wrapped envelope type situation. And I never thought that somebody has to design that. I never, that doesn't. Yeah, I think thinking about all of that, like shipping packaging too, something that's really interesting in my industry right now is sustainability. Obviously packaging can be very detrimental. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really important to me to really study sustainability and packaging because I do love it so much. I don't want what I do to be a detriment to the climate or to the planet, Yeah, um, which is really why I love doing collectible packaging because obviously it's not meant to be thrown away, mm-hmm. but um, they have all kinds of um, online certifications you can do. And I did a so- sustainability certification through Walmart um, because they have a Project Gigaton initiative that they're doing and learned all kinds of ways that packaging can be more sustainable from using recyclable materials to making sure it can be recycled at the end of its life cycle. So there are still ways to be sustainable if packaging is something you're interested in. Right. Okay. So so, I had, so tell me how you, you fell into to packaging because, you know, I, I think like you said, we're always thinking about you know, the, the website design, the branding design, the logo design. And, you know, I, obviously if you're into that, you think, okay, you have clearly, um, software, like, uh, what's it called? Photoshop, um, your final cut pro, you know, those softwares. And I'm like, wait a minute, packaging, does it fall into that? Do you use, do you use those softwares or like, how did, how did that happen? I would say the most core, software that probably all designers know how to use is Adobe Illustrator. Um, That is predominantly what is used for packaging. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of how I kind of found packaging, it was when you're in a design program, if you're not learning these skill sets online, uh, which you can absolutely do, I think that's the great thing about graphic design now is that you can educate yourself online. Mm -hmm. But in my program, when you're about halfway through, they start offering kind of different electives for like publication, web design, stuff like that. I took them, I really wasn't that interested. I didn't retain the knowledge, it didn't excite me. And then I took a packaging class. And after the first project, um, my professor, who I truly attribute my success to because without her in this conversation, I would not be where I am now. But she basically pulled me aside And she was like, hey, you know, you actually have a really great knack for packaging. Have you ever considered kind of specializing in that? And I was like, no one does packaging, you know, in design. Like, that's not the cool thing. And she was like, you know, but you're really good at it. Yeah. (laughs) And she was like, just trust me. You're you're really good at it. Just take the class, you know, and and see what happens. And by the end, I was obsessed. (laughs) I mean... Um, I think what's exciting if you're creative and you're trying to figure out kind of which part of design realm you want to go into, I think you'll know if packaging is your thing, if you really enjoy the more three-dimensional design, Mm. the other types of design, you're really looking at like one kind of format, you know, you're just designing onto one space, but packaging you have to think about all of the different panels of a package and you have to think about compliance stuff you know you have to think about like legal stuff that has to go on their barcodes mm-hmm. and then 
Uh, you have to think along the lines operationally, logistics, you know, building your own die line, um, basically being able to build the structure yourself. And I liked the way that it challenged me in that way. It wasn't just about design, but I had to think much broader. Yeah. Okay. Now, so that, that means that in what you do now, you got to work with the people that are designing the product. So like, I, I think I saw you, um, I remember you posted one, it was a few years ago. I think it was before Funimation, um, but it was like a watch. Yeah. You know, I saw you post like a watch. So now that I'm, now that I'm realizing that you are on the packaging side of things, you had to work with the designers of the watch to say, okay, how will this be presented when the, 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 what's it, the customer opens it up? What, what type of experience do I want them to have? That's yeah, that was actually my first real collector packaging I ever did. It was the first project I was given at BioWorld, like day one, they were like, okay, now that you're here, we're developing a smartwatch. You need to create this amazing, crazy packaging for it. And I was like, oh, okay, no pressure. Um, and I think that's probably the package I'm most proud of in my career because I truly built that from scratch. Typically with packaging like that, the, the vendor, the, the printing factory, they provide like the template for you, mm -hmm. you know, and you just put design in. But I truly built that from scratch. Like I was taking paper and it was like truly craft, craft time. Mm -hmm. um, built it all myself from scratch. I picked all of the materials and the, you know, the window material. And I worked with a product designer, an industrial designer to build like the stand that the watch sat on. Yeah. Um, and it was a really kind of invigorating experience of being in packaging, especially. Mm -hmm. Man. And so what, what I'm hearing from, from this is that, cause across when I'm, when I'm interviewing different people, um, for like obviously these broad industries, what I'm finding more often than not is that these people, they niche down into like a specific place that they love to do and they max out that particular niche before they move on to, to anything else. So like for you, it was like, yeah, it's graphic design, but packaging, that's, hey, that's where, that's where Rachel's really sweet. Yeah, I think if you're interested in design, I think it can be intimidating getting into it because there's sure there's surely not a shortage of people wanting to do it right now. No, certainly so, not. Yeah. And I, I think especially now that people are able to educate themselves online, um, mm -hmm. you know, you don't necessarily have to go to a, a physical university to get that training. Um, there's a lot of competition. And so my biggest advice is you need to find that, small part of design that you really love and that you're also really good at because mm -hmm. um, if you're just kind of generally being a designer you want to do you want to do branding for companies there are millions of people also trying to do it it's going to be really hard to find um, kind of your spot in the industry and to beat out other designers for jobs mm -hmm. um, even if it's freelance right um, whereas if you have like a specific interest that you're really good at, then you can, you narrow down the competition quite a bit. So let's say if you're really into branding um, and maybe you're really into charity work, like you love volunteering, maybe you can focus on branding for nonprofits. 
because mm. that is absolutely something that is needed and something you could really harness your time and energy into and be get really good at. So then if companies like that are looking for designers, they're going to be a lot more likely to go with someone who has that background, right? Than just a random designer off the street who does everything. Yeah. So like for what, so to, to go along with that example, you're saying that somebody who, somebody shouldn't just put on Instagram and say, Hey, I make logos or Hey, I make land or branding and stuff. You that person, Go ahead. You can, it's just going to be really hard to beat out other designers for jobs. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is that they should take it a step further and say, Hey, I make logos for this specific industry and here, and here's my proof. Yeah, that I that I have that I've done what I said I can do. Yeah, and I would say even take it one step further, right? Not even just saying I specialize in this industry. Here's the work I've done, but be able to back up why your experience in that industry makes you best suited to help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, um, if you really enjoy doing uh, food and drink packaging, which really is its own specialty. Um, makes sense. You know, I think to be able to speak to that background and be able to say, hey, I actually already know a lot about the laws and regulations for food and drink packaging. I already know about needing to worry about the materials and the films that are used to make sure they're safe for food to be in. Um, I work with vendors to worry about quantities and, you know, the right sleeves that you need to hold packaging together for when they go to a retailer. For example, like being able to say all that versus, yeah, I design packaging. It yeah. makes you so much more qualified. You know, I recent, I, in my career, have designed pet food and pet treat packaging. So when I've had freelance clients who have seen that on my website and they're like, great, I haven't been able to find any designers who have that experience mm-hmm. that's so specific and that's what we need. Because then you can do a lot of work for them that they thought they were going to have to do. Like the compliance stuff. Okay, that that makes that makes a whole lot of sense. So before before we dive into what what it looks like uh, in a day at Funimation, I'm really interested in what was your process in finding a job. And the reason I ask that is because there are people who come from where we come from in Arkansas who have stumbled upon their love for for graphic design, but you know, they, they go through the program, they find their, they find their niche, they find their industry and they're like, okay, I'm ready to get a job. And they're like, okay, cool. But where are the jobs? So what, what, what was your process? Cause I don't, I don't, I don't just see postings for graphic design artist major or branding specialists or packaging specialists. Like I, I personally don't see those. So what, what is the process of like finding the entry level, let's start with the bottom. So the, the, the entry, the first job that they can make um, is fresh out of college or even in the industry. Yeah, so a couple of first thoughts. Okay. I have found that um, creative positions tend to have a lot of hirings and waves. Um, I think because the industry is so competitive right now, typically if, if people land a job, they're gonna hold on to it, right? Mm. Um, even pre-COVID, right? You yeah. Know, I think there are so many designers out there that you know, like you need to hold on to your spot. So I have found like there are certain seasons of the year that I think are really hard to get jobs. So um, like I think around this season right now, for example, I think is 
pretty desolate. You're not going to find a lot of opportunities. I think also if you're waiting, if you're about to graduate and you're waiting to like the month you're graduating, well, there are so many people graduating who are looking for jobs. So true story. You know, start early mm-hmm. um, because there are going to be a lot of companies who know that a bunch of new upcoming talent are about to graduate and they're going to be kind of checking them out, you know? And so if you start maybe a quarter in advance, that kind of gives you a leg up or at least lets you start having conversations with people mm-hmm. so that when you are ready to graduate, you can call them back up and be like, Hey, I'm ready for a job now. Um, but I think for me, something that really helped me getting out the door was that I didn't just submit resumes and portfolios to people because everyone is doing that. Mm-hmm. So something I learned in my program was that you need to try to make yourself stand out. So me being in packaging, this is really over the top. I'm not saying you have to do this to get a job. It's more just to help sell the point I'm trying to make. But I mm-hmm. built a miniature replica of all the like offices of companies I was applying to. And my resume was printed inside. So I like researched the, what their office looked like, you know, and I built little things and then I shipped it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying you have to go that extravagant, but I think just finding your own special touch of a way that you can show, Hey, I'm not just an ordinary designer. I think outside of the box above and beyond, mm-hmm. um, And I think anyone can do something like that. You know, for example, if you're wanting to get into web design, um, you could do something really cool and and niche with that, right? Or um, branding. It doesn't have to be some extravagant package that you send them. Um, But I think also a big thing that I found, I think especially for designers, it can take a little while to find where you need to be. Um, there's two major kind of divisions in creatives or really advertising and marketing in general. You're either agency or in-house. So you're okay. working for an agency that handles a bunch of companies or you're working at one company handling all of their stuff. I really thought I wanted to be agency. My first few jobs were agency. Mm-hmm. Realized I hated it. I did not like it. Uh, and then I switched. Yeah. So just know if you're starting out, what you really think you might want is might, might not be what you're best at. Um, and also I think my biggest advice is that if you really are miserable at a job as a creative, it can be for normal reasons. Like, you, you know, it's not a good fit. You don't love your boss, whatever, or maybe creatively, it's just not sparking a lot of inspiration. Mm. Don't feel like you have to stay there. I think a big part of what I've discovered is like, I think our parents' generation are people that stayed at jobs for like 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. I went through a lot of jobs my first few years. And I remember my, my parents being like, what are you doing? You know? Right. Um, and I, but looking back, I realized it was actually really great. I mean, yeah, it sure made interviews hard because I had to explain why my resume had so many positions on it. Mm-hmm. when I hadn't been out of college that long. But looking back, I can now say is like having uh, a course focus on packaging that I got to work in about seven different industries for packaging uh, from 
food to pets to toys to anime to merchandise so now i'm actually that experience is now like coveted people are like oh my gosh you're so well-rounded you have so much different industry experience mm -hmm. so don't be afraid to find something that's a good fit for you you know life is too short well there it is i, I love it um so what but let me back to that basically what you're what you're saying is just so i'm making sure people who are listening and that they caught all of what you said. Um, first of all, you have to separate yourself from the pack. Yes. In, in this, in whatever industry, whatever niche you're trying to do, you have to separate yourself from the pack in whatever way that it is that, that you do it, whether you make a whole layout design like Rachel did, or you make your own like mock flyers or whatever, but you got to separate, your, separate yourself from the pack and separate yourself early not in may not in december when everybody else is graduating but like get early i remember i had a client i can't obviously say her name because this was a this was a counseling client but she was a she was a graphic designer and she was taking internships a whole year early before she graduated mm -hmm. and i was like that's interesting that you would do it this early and she was like i mean hey that's that's the nature of our of our field and yeah. hearing you now say that you got to separate yourself yeah you got to get you, she's already starting her experience while she's in college mm -hmm. and also introducing herself to different experiences. So now, and now that I know that there are agencies and then in-house, that kind of tells me that, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong in interpreting this, um, an agency is where you get like different companies, different uh, organizations. So you might get something completely different from your first project. So by the time you get to project 10, it'll be completely different from the previous nine yeah. versus, you know, uh, an in-house, you pretty much are, you know, the industry that you're trying to, that you're serving and that you're creating for. So it's, you're not going to get like a complete curveball, um, but it's going to be very specific. Yeah. I think another way to look at it is like with agencies, you're going to be working on a lot of different clients at one time. So mm -hmm. you're never going to get truly invested in a certain company and into their brand voice, their demographic. Um, you're, you're just going to be doing like one-off projects for lots of different companies. Whereas in-house, you really get invested into that company and their background and their, their vision. And, um, and basically everything you work on is to help that goal mm -hmm. right that vision um so if you're someone who really you know doesn't want to get into the nitty-gritty you just want to be churning stuff out mm -hmm. agency is probably better for you um if you're someone who's like really passionate and you actually want to like get invested um then i would suggest in-house but yeah i mean i think going back to the about setting yourself apart i think don't assume that just because you do some really cool thing to set yourself apart that it's gonna nail you a job mm -hmm. um, but at the very least it gets your name out there and then you're recognized as like that person or it can help make really great contacts so for example back in the day i interviewed for a very very large corporation that everyone on the planet knows um and i made like a fake package for one of their products that had like all my information on it instead of the product information and i took it to my interview i thought oh they're gonna they're gonna love this i'm gonna get this job so easily i didn't get the job because they were like you know you just don't have the experience that we need for this kind of company 
Mm. But the interviewer was so impressed with the, kind of what I had brought to the table, literally and figuratively, um, that he gave me his contact and he said, I'd love to mentor you. Mm. Um, and so you're not just setting yourself apart for jobs, but networking. And I think creatives really need to care about networking because it really is important for what we do. Mm, that's interesting that you say that because let's say people got into the graphic design industry because they're not people people because they don't like speaking because they just like to work on projects versus working with clients so that i, I find that that interesting that that's needed i will okay that's a great point let me then articulate it further i think if you're a creative that you just want to clock in clock out do awesome creative work and that's what you want to do then you know you can be a bit more isolated and, and not have to necessarily be networking. If you're someone who's wanting to rise up and be like a you. director, yeah, then it really is necessary. I think especially because if you're wanting to eventually be in a leadership position, you have to be good at, at with people. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't think you have to. I'm glad you brought that up. I don't think it's necessary if you're just trying to do the, the core work mm. and that's what makes you happy great work in the shadows don't be people you know whatever but um if you're trying to move up mm -hmm. i really encourage like joining local design organizations um going to conferences introducing yourself to people um make those connections because they can help you later on love that love that okay so now walk us through what it's like to work at a major major player like Funimation? So um, it's very, very busy and very demanding, um, yes. especially because we are now um, under the Sony umbrella. So uh, we have been for a couple of years. So well, I got beef with Sony. What's going on with these PS5s? What, <laughs> how's the packaging with those? How, how about that? Never mind. I cannot speak to that. I I'm do playing. not know. You're going to have to call them. Don't tell them I sent you because I did not. Okay. Um, but no, I think it's awesome. I think we get, I think people assume we're just about streaming, right? You know, we're, we're just, yeah. you're watching it online. Right. But actually uh, we do a lot, you know, there's pre-COVID um, conventions, right? There's theat theatrical releases um, and then other campaigns. For example, I was the lead creative director for our voting campaign that we did this year, encouraging fans to register to vote and to vote, which I thought was a really great initiative on um, behalf mm -hmm. of the company. Um, and so day in the life, um, I am a creative director over seven designers um, okay. who mostly do home video packaging. And then we also do a lot of other stuff um, like product photography, um we just did an awesome holiday catalog for our online store mm -hmm. and then i'm also the lead director for all of our theatrical releases so i helped design a campaign concept for the movies and um so like right now working on demon slayer in the past year we've worked on akira or akira however you want to pronounce it mm -hmm. um and then the my hero academia movie that came out earlier I was the lead director for that and got to creative direct my first movie premiere, which was really exciting and very fun. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really multifaceted job. You're working on a lot of different campaigns and different projects at one time. 
-hmm. um, and we have a very large creative department. So there's a digital design team, a video team, a copy team, and then my team, which is print and packaging. So there's, again, showing that there's so many different areas that you can really specialize in. So, so I know that you said earlier that that Funimation kind of sought you out, but had like, cause I'm just like, my mind is blown, like hearing like all these, these, these different things that you're working on. Cause you know, in, so let's say for example, you were in Arkansas when this opportunity came, you would have had to move. I mean, I know you were already in Texas, but you, you would have had to move to where is actually, actually oh. we have a senior director for another team who uh -huh. lives in Arkansas. Really? Uh, and does everything from home? No, not Mountain Home. Oh, no, but, I does everything from home. Oh, yes. Um, but pre-COVID would fly in for like a few days a week to the office. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the interesting thing about us being under the Sony umbrella is that a lot of our people are in LA. So we've had mm -hmm. to kind of, before the COVID situation, we kind of had to experience people working in all different locations yeah. and coming together to achieve success on projects. So does that mean you don't have to move to be successful in this energy? Like you don't have to move out of your small town in Alabama or your your large town in rural, I don't know, Idaho. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like to, to move away from these areas to be successful in these industries? That's uh -oh. hard. Because I think the reason, for example, the person I'm speaking about, I think is able to do that is because she had... Um, you know, really great previous positions at bigger companies also. I okay. think it's really hard to get into the door at major corporations unless you have experience at other major corporations. Um, I think unless you're like really fresh, right? Um, like I think we wouldn't want to hire another director that didn't have any experience with big companies because then you don't really understand the scale at which you're working on. But if you're coming in as like an intern or junior designer, you know, that's a lot easier to work with because you're molding someone, you know, you're getting them ready. Um, I will say like the small town vibe as a designer, I think is very hard because this big cities are really where um, a lot of the, the best talent kind of flocks to, yeah. to get jobs, right? Because for example, Dallas, a lot of corporations are moving here because it's a lot more affordable. So, um, and there's no state income tax. Yeah. Uh, so I think because of that, lots of designers flock here because they're like, great, there are lots of jobs. Um, and so if you're in a small town and you're competing with someone who works at Toyota, mm -hmm. you know, and you're competing for the same job at a big company, it's probably going to go to the person with the more, with more experience working for large corporations. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's hard. I haven't, not to be a Debbie Downer, but I don't think I've quite met someone in my field who has stayed in their small town and fully been able to take on those types of jobs. If you're wanting to work full time, I think if you're wanting to just do freelance, mm -hmm. it's possible. My professor in school has been in Lubbock for decades and is a world renowned designer and works and does projects for huge bands for Starbucks, etc. So kind of just depends on the route you want to go. 
No, don't don't feel like it's a Debbie Downer because that's what these people need to know. The people that yeah. are really interested in this industry, they need to know, you know, you might have to go where the opportunity is. So yeah. you have to, I hate to say it, but you might have to get a different job until you can get into the industry that you're looking for. Just And that may require you to move from Arkansas, Mississippi, Florida, or wherever the case to move to the opportunity so yeah. that you can be in position to get an entry-level job and then start building your experience. Yeah, I think that I, if I had to just name the top locations for creatives, it would be LA, New York, mm. Chicago, mm. Dallas, mm. Uh, Atlanta. Atlanta, okay. Uh, and the thing is, there are millions of creatives in those locations already who intentionally moved there knowing they're moving there because of the opportunities, right? You have major companies in New York and in LA, especially that people dream of working for, right? They're the dream jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, but there are also people who also think those places are dream jobs who are already in those cities. When I first graduated, I applied to so many jobs in New York. I thought I have to be in New York. That's where I want to be. Mm -hmm. It's obviously very hard to get there logistically. Um, and stay there. <laughs> and any of the companies that actually took the time to respond to me um, basically said, you're not in New York and you're an entry level, junior level designer. We're not going to move you here. You know, the people that they move are the ones who are extremely talented, have tons of experience because they're worth the investment. Yeah. Right? But if you're starting out, they're not going to move you. Um, and so that can be hard. So I think, you know, New York, LA isn't feasible for everyone. Those are our San Francisco, very expensive cities, right? But there are other cities that you can still make a living in reasonably like Dallas, Atlanta, Chicago. They still have amazing jobs. Yeah. Yeah, because I was about to say, when you said L.A., mm, New York, mm, New York, mm, Atlanta, okay, Atlanta's more reasonable. Dallas, it's a little bit more reasonable than your New York, your L.A. Um, I mean, but, they're, they're expensive, don't get me wrong, but they're yeah. certainly not New York, San Francisco, or L.A., where rent can oh. be $3,000 a month. Mm -hmm. With, without question. Um, but yeah, that. But I'm, I'm glad that you're saying all this, because that's information that like people here in Memphis, people in Mississippi, people in Arizona, people in Nebraska, people in South Dakota, like all these people need to know, like, hey, you might need to to go to the opportunity instead of the opportunity just dropping in your lap. Yeah, I think if, if you're wanting to work at a big company like that or have really awesome clients, you may need to leave. But if you, I mean, I also think there's something really awesome about designers who go back to their hometowns and they want to work locally because, you know, small towns, they need design work too. Um, so there's certainly not a lack of opportunity. You just have to define the kind of opportunity you want. Um, do you want to be able to put on your resume that you worked for Michael Kors? Probably need to be in a big city. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do branding for local businesses? You mm -hmm. can stay in a small town. But I would say too, a really great advice I could probably get from hard lessons I learned is um, if you're applying to jobs uh, through like their website or LinkedIn, that can be really hard because you're going to be one of like 3000 people. So 
something I recommend for creatives is to look on like AIGA, their job post, mm -hmm. or look at maybe a city, for example, in Dallas, there's a local organization called um, DSVC. It's like a local group for creatives and they post all local jobs mm -hmm. and they're really great jobs. So look in the city you're trying to go to for local creative organizations and their postings. Um, and if you are using something like D LinkedIn, um, I would recommend getting like the premium because then you can kind of see more about the job and you can see how many people have applied. Um, you can see the hiring manager, a lot more information that you can use to your advantage versus just being another cog in the machine applying with like 5,000 people. Rachel, you're giving the people free game right now. All the I learned all the hard lessons myself. So Right. I'm pretty sure somebody's going to appreciate this. Um, but I also want to add like another value that people who are not necessarily in this industry, like that could take away from what you're saying that I just gathered, go to where, you know, what you do is valued the most. So mm -hmm. if you are, you know, whether you're a uh, I don't know, a business owner that sells cheese, for example, you want to probably go to Wisconsin where all the cheese heads are at. Um, but if you want to do like, you know, acting, um, performing, maybe you need to go to LA, maybe you need to go to New York. If you want to be major design in a major corporation, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, Chicago, LA. Like, I would even fine tune it. I would say if you're trying to do, so there's certainly agency and in-house in every big city, mm -hmm. but to me in, in my network of people I know, I think if you're trying to do in-house work, Dallas and LA are really great sources because a lot of companies are in those two places and a lot of cool companies, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas New York, predominantly agency. Austin, I can't believe I forgot Austin. Great city for designers. Um, a lot of agency work down there. Mm -hmm. So also do your research, you know, on in the city you're trying to go to, like what are the top agencies there? And I mean, you kind of got to be detectives, but I used to like look at the top agencies I thought I wanted to work in. And then I would go on LinkedIn and look at their employees and then look for their designers and then look at the experience that they had mm. to try to compare to. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Now. Okay. So let's back up to Funimation. Cause I noticed you're doing way more than packaging. So that means that, does that mean you had to, to learn on the fly or you had to elevate and start learning how to do a, a theater premiere, how to do a branding campaign, how to do this? Or was that something that you already knew how to do when you got into the job? So branding stuff, large campaigns, I had experience with from the different jobs I had Okay, uh, my career. Theatrical was very new to me. In fact, I had only been there two months when I was told I was going to be the lead director for that campaign um, with only about two months before the movie was coming out. So it was, I'll be honest, uh, even though I didn't reveal this at work, it was very daunting. Yeah. It was very overwhelming, especially knowing like, for example, we were trying to make, you know, like crazy amounts of millions of dollars on the release, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think the way I handled it was just not to reveal my insecurities or my doubts outwardly, right? Don't um, let them see you sweat. Yeah, keep that for home with your partner. Um, but stay confident and apply knowledge that you already have 
to the work. So for example, had I led a theatrical campaign? No, um, but I knew that I'm a perfectionist with design. Mm -hmm. And so I knew, take the big daunting stuff out of it. What are you trying to do at the end of the day? Boil it down. You're just trying to create amazing creative content. You're trying to empower a lot of creatives to create great content. And you just need to help oversee that, you know, be less worried about the result and more worried about the development. Mm -hmm. um, if you do well with the development, if you're inspiring your creatives, if you're um, staying true to your, your initiatives, you're communicating your, all of those things, right? Then the results will come. Mm -hmm. So, I didn't worry about the fact that I had never designed a movie premiere before. I just saw a lot of different creative assets that needed to be designed and how can we make sure they are as cool and as legit and dope as they can be. And then when it all came together, everyone was like, oh my God, this is a, I remember my boss telling me like, this is a movie premiere on par with like other Hollywood movie premieres. And I was like, great. I totally meant to do that. <laughs> um, but just if you're getting if you're ever overwhelmed with any project boil it down to to you know don't worry about the crazy goals that your boss gives you or whatever at the end of the day as a creative you are trying to create stunning and engaging content mm -hmm. that's all it is um and if you're in a leadership position you're just trying to inspire people you're trying to motivate them inspire them and make sure that they feel empowered to create great content the results will come. Mm -hmm. That's great. So I'm just, I, I wish I could have, I wish I could have just seen it. Do you have, do you have a recording or did you take some personal photos or stuff like that? I have photos. Yeah. Make sure that you send those. So I can put them on for people to see, um, I will. but man, that's, that's awesome. I'm so happy that you are, that you have an opportunity to flourish. Um, but Hey, for those of y'all who are, uh, as and I think I've talked about this with other guests too, but you know, when you're thrust into a leadership position, you know, sometimes you gotta learn on the fly, sometimes you gotta make it up as you go along. But I mean, really, it's just about providing like the best in your lane specifically, the best experience that you, that you can for for the customer. Yeah, and I think you know, for those of you aspiring to be leaders, also, I would just say like take the mentorship seriously. Mm. It's something that I apply all of my leadership tactics in, in a such a way because I know what it felt like to maybe not get that kind of mentorship when I was coming up. And so, you know, be invested in, in your employees and be transparent, you know, build that trust and that rapport, be strategic in their assignments um, so that you're actively challenging them because you used to be in their shoes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, don't look at them as expendable. Um, make them feel like you're equally invested. I mean, something that I regularly tell people is like, if you're not invested in your employees, they won't be invested in you or the company, right? I think creatives know that it really requires a lot of you to, to work in a job. You know, because it's not just like data entry or, or whatever, but like, 
creative work is exhausting. You know, it really takes a lot out of you. Um, and it's also not something that's always on, you know, sometimes you have creative blocks or whatever. And um, I think it's important to know that, you know, as leaders of creatives that this is not something that you can turn on and off. Um, you need to make sure that your team and your, your people feel inspired and rejuvenated and um, excited about the work that they're doing, or you're not going to get the best creative content you can out of them. And more importantly, you're not going to have fulfilled, happy people. Mm -hmm. Let me find out you're making a move for an executive position next month. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you talking like you, you trying to, uh, like you trying to take over the whole company. But. I mean, that's the thing though, right? Like if you're trying to be ambitious, if you're trying to move up, you have to be thinking about that next spot. As soon as I got this promotion, I was already thinking about, okay, now I need to work to prove that I can handle the next position. Even if I don't get it for five years, mm -hmm. I want when it's time to make that decision for them to be like, oh, it's easy. It's an easy decision. Mm -hmm. You got to put in the work. Man, I, I respect you for that. Um, so give give the people um, just some nuggets about. So think think about the think about the little boys, the little girls who are in yeah. walking in, have no idea what they want to do. They find out a whiff of graphic design, and you know they've. Let's just say that they haven't taken any nuggets away because you've dropped plenty of them throughout this whole entire podcast episode. But if they if they they didn't catch any of them. Give them um, some last nuggets to uh, nuggets of wisdom as far as advancing in this field. Um, okay, firstly, this isn't necessarily mine, but it's something I regularly remind myself is to respond, don't react, mm. um, and don't take things personally. I think that's, that's for everybody. Wait a minute, that's for everybody. Yeah. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Go ahead, go ahead. I think don't take things personally is especially important for creatives because we creative work is so much wrapped around ego, right? It's our pride and joy. We made it. Yes. And it's really hard to not take it personally if someone doesn't like it or worse, they hate it. Right. And they yell at you in front of a room full of people about how terrible it is. Mm -hmm. um, and so that can be really exhausting and hard. So just remind yourself, you aren't your work, right? Um, it, and critiques are not a reflection of you. They're a reflection of your work. It means do better, not that you are not great. Mm. Um, I think also be your own advocate. Um, I think that no one handed anything to me my entire career. If anything, actually, I've really struggled. I, like I said, I've been laid off. I've even been fired. Um, I didn't let it stop me. I was my own advocate. I believed in myself. Um, as like an offset of that, I would say, keep track of your achievements, um, especially when you're in one job, because when it's time to do reviews or you want a promotion or a raise, you need to have that, that evidence, right? Of like, these are the things I've done and I've accomplished. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I think if, if you're like me and you're really ambitious and you really have big goals, be willing to make personal sacrifices you cannot have it all at once. Um, there were a lot of sacrifices I had to make, but I also think I'm now five to 10 years ahead of my peers, you know, because are some of the people I know, because I was willing to make those sacrifices. 
Um, and again, just reiterate lastly, like if you're miserable somewhere or you just don't feel like creatively it's, it's sparking that inspiration for you, don't be miserable, find another role. It does not mean anything about you if you take a while to find a role that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rachel, you, you done, I don't know if you did this before, but you knocked this interview out the park. Um, those I've never are, done this before, but I'm so glad my first uh, podcast was with my very dear friend that I've known since I was, what, since we were like 15. Had to be 15, 16. Yeah, we were babies. Right. Barely knew anything about the world, but I appreciate you so much for hopping on. I, I, I know that you gave a lot of value to those people who are seeking to be creative. And then you've also added extra value to the people who are just trying to, you know, just get a leg up in their career path. So yeah. I, I definitely appreciate you for all that you've dropped today. All right, guys, that's it. Um, please give give us the give us the five star reviews if you're listening to this on iTunes. If you're watching this on Facebook, comment your favorite part, like this, and share it with somebody that really needs it because I think everybody can add value from this. Um, same thing if you're on YouTube. Um, y'all know that we're coming back to you every single Thursday, bringing you great guests, bringing you tangible tips, take your version of the good life. Um, but until then, we'll see you next week.